0: Opening moments of this campaign were honestly me thinking, what could possibly happen? Apollo teleported me and sent me on a vast mission that seemed nearly impossible, and also telling me that I would need to put my faith in a group of people I knew nothing of. Usually anything spoken to me by Apollo just becomes law. His words fill my head with nothing but purpose and direction. But to put all my hope and trust in a group I've never met before, I thought, ha, That's blasphemy. I've spent the majority of my life being self-sufficient. I mean, come on, I'm a tank. But after arriving to this strange place, I felt a gigantic warmth from meeting a gnome named Sapling and struggling to wake up this freaking gargantuan named Karavi. And all I could focus on was, these people are needed so that I can do Apollo's work.
1: Agus sees Azrael in hell, crying out for help in a vision, leaving the party confused and solemn over the news of the blood war he begins to tell them about. Devils and demons, for control of the world, he says. Something has changed in this forest, causing him only to reside in the cave. It actually pulled him down into this cave and is leaving him here, this statue slash aura, this individual. Others even seem to be seeking a prophecy as well, coming to him before we even showed up. The lands are changing, and this leads us right into the story of the Cloakwood, a place that is changing in front of our eyes. But before that, the party bests Thorda in a game of balder bones back at the elf Song Tavern. We gain her respect, and Thorda has now invited us into a private meeting with her. He always pawns his work off on me, she says, complaining about Aegis sending people to her. It's fascinating now that both Aegis and Thorda in this dialogue are talking about people who are looking for the prophecy. I don't think I put this together. I don't know if you did, but, but now Thorda is remembering people that she has even been sent to her. Maybe there's something there. Maybe there's more to the story in that moment than we even felt in the moment. After much dialogue, she gives the party a choice. You can see your future or you can meet Ari's dad, but you can only pick one. What? We can see our future, we thought. But truly there was only one choice. We know our destiny, we know our prophecy. Thorda has called us into one moment, and that's to meet Ari's dad. She gives us our task quickly after. There's a festival. In fact, I think it's in your part of the world, Sapling, she says. An amulet of planes is at stake. In a sense, this amulet of planes would give us the moment to meet Ari's dad face to face. We're mission ready. But before the mission began, there's plenty of happened. Listen to the list of things that would go on before we would enter into the Cloakwood. Scratch one sap a laser beam. The team gets blasted wasted at the tavern. And Kuravi asks strangers to smell a little one's breath, because he too has been drinking. Scratch gets up and finds us a night's stay at Thomas's house. Ari sees purple smoke atop a building, and the party is introduced to the flaming fist for the first time via Ari's how should I say this? fishy situation. One of the most brilliant and masterful role-playing moments we've had in this entire campaign is when Ari goes and catches the fish for the man who was at, at, at the end of a sword of the flaming fist. And this kind of introduced us to the very first time of something else is going on, even governmental, even political powers at B, not just devils and demons, but now it's Zaj, now it's the flaming fist. And we've learned much more about that once we get to the festival. And as we begin our journey to the cloakwood, to candle keep hopefully eventually sapling telling a story of his home and he'll go on this mission only if you let me meet my parents of course they would go on to meet sapling's parents but first koravi at the front of the boat
0: <laughs>
1: as the water is washing over his face and he can breathe and not a not a bird not a dwarf not a gnome trying to exclaim that no one could be doing what he's doing at the front of the boat to steer us in the right direction, we will learn of even other battles coming our way. But then we met all in the Cloakwood, Sapling's home, a place of solace, a place where Sapling will finally feel for the first time after being kicked by the Pegasus into the sky, where he's back home. But something was different. A spider seemed demon-possessed. Begins going after some of the party members. Animals asking sapling, what's going on? Why is everything changing? This isn't the first time we've heard about things changing. Agus mentioned it. Thorda mentioned it. Obviously, we understand the blood war is at hand the political powers that we just mentioned, fighting to gain power. But the Cloakwood? Even the Cloakwood's at stake? Of course, eventually, Sapling would go on to explain that his watch that they found in the Cloakwood after being lost can do something that he would never share with just any strangers. That maybe this watch can actually help us shift into other planes. And that might be top of mind as we're going to look at the amulet, try to win the amulet of planes in this Nazgar race we've been called to. All of this culminating into a story calling us to bigger things in search of an amulet of planes to try to find Ari's father. But first to stop at the festival, a running with Jerry Jammy, and much more to come. This is episode three. Session three, but episode two of the podcast. Thank you for listening to The Beauty in the Ashes.